Welcome. It's 11 p.m. Eastern Time, Wednesday, November 25th, 2020. And thanks for joining us for the 97th episode of the Rock and Roll Shrink Radio Show here on Blog Talk Radio. Special thanks to our host, NDB Media. I'm Casey Shapiro, and with me tonight is Dr. Stephen Mathis, a.k.a. the Rock and Roll Shrink. We will be taking calls from our listeners all evening during the show at 914-338-0314. You can also follow along in our live chat room on blogtalkradio.com as the show is happening. Before we begin, a couple quick disclaimers. This show does not constitute a doctor-client relationship, nor legal or medical representation of any kind. Also, the views expressed on this show are those of Dr. Mathis and Ms. Shapiro, and are not an official stance on behalf of the psychological community or its peer vetting or regulatory bodies. And now, a topic-relevant bit of music played by Dr. Mathis himself. Take it away, Doc.
As always, thank you for that. And if you would please let us know the name of the song and the artist and its relevance to tonight's topic. Well, since we're going to be talking about uh, gratefulness, gratitude, and thankfulness, I thought I would do uh, a deep cut Zeppelin tune off their uh, second recording called Thank You. (laughs) So uh, I thought that was quite fitting. Oh, thank you. (laughs) All right. As Dr. Mathis mentioned, tonight's episode is entitled Thankfulness which we will discuss in a moment. Before we begin our topic discussion, let's first go to the Rock and Roll Shrink Recalls, a moment of rock music trivia story as recounted by Dr. Mathis, if you would, sir. So I thought I would do a kind of deep cut this evening um, because without this person, a lot of our uh, people that we know uh, in the rock world uh, would probably not have existed, particularly one particular individual, uh, because of the influence of this man on uh, this individual's life. Even though it was from a, a totally different background and a totally different era, so the gentleman who I'm going to be discussing this evening, uh, his name is Jean Reinhardt, better known to the jazz world as Django Reinhardt. Uh, who was a Romani, Belgian-born Romani French jazz guitarist and composer who lived during the 1900s, 1910 to 53, I think. Uh, and he was really, a really very uh, creative and uh, resilient kind of guy. Uh, I, I don't know how many uh, folks out there are familiar with it, but uh, the Romanis were not a very well-liked gypsy clan, so to speak, and they were often reviled and seen as second-class citizens in Europe at the time. Uh, so he was under a lot of uh, tension, uh, prejudice, that sort of thing. So he started playing music at an early age, started out on violin, and then uh, got a guitar kind of a cross between a banjo and a guitar as a gift, I think, at age 12 and started playing. And then at some point, his brother uh, had a guitar and got him to uh, start playing that uh, as sort of another instrument that uh, that he had. And back in the day, uh, you know, Gypsies traveled around in caravans and in you know the, the wooden kind of wagon kind of things, and that's where they lived and that sort of thing. And so he was playing around in towns and the cafes, and actually started playing. I think when he was 15, publicly for money. Uh, married early, uh, I think at age 17, uh, from the, from a uh, girl that was in the same Romani settlement that he was in. Uh, under a Romani ceremony, which at the time, by the way, was not uh, considered a quote-unquote an official marriage under French law, uh, but whatever. So he was playing around and uh, traveling, and then one evening, uh, while he was sleeping in his uh, caravan wagon, uh, he knocked over accidentally knocked over a candle, which ignited a fire. And he managed to escape out of the uh, wagon and, his, and save, saved his wife and himself, but had extremely extensive, uh, like, third-degree burns over his entire body, which required him to be in the hospital for about a year and a half. And among the things that got damaged uh, were his right leg and his fretting left hand, in which... He basically had a an almost useless fourth finger and fifth finger, the pinky, uh, because they were so badly burned. And the doctor basically told him, you've never played guitar again. And uh, his brother, who, who was a luthier and a guitarist, said, hey, you know, he, I'm, I'm going to make you a guitar especially for you, and you need to really you know, get busy doing this thing. And he went back and worked and worked and worked and worked. And was definitely, uh, you know, it was an arduous time, but he made it back and started playing, relearning to play with essentially two fingers. 
the two fingers next to his thumb, and he only used the other two fingers for fretting occasionally. He did all the finger work and lead work with the two fingers, which is like, what? I mean, if you ever see this guy play, I've seen old videos of him play, and it's like, <laughs> it almost makes your hand hurt watching this guy play. Uh, but at any rate, he, he wow. kept playing and, and did a really, really great job with it. He and his wife eventually divorced, uh, but he went on to play. Uh, He got remarried at some point, but went on to play and was playing jazz, uh, kind of a Romani-style gypsy jazz uh, guitar, and became uh, was doing duos with various uh, jazz musicians at the time. Now, remember, this is during you know uh, the 1910s, which is you know right born on the. Uh, era of World War One, and then he's living during World War Two, uh, in which you know at the time uh, Hitler and the uh, Nazis, in addition to being not very fond of homosexuals and not very fond of Jewish people, were also very anti uh, gypsies and very yeah. anti jazz, which I did not know. Really? Uh, yeah. I did not I'm know like, that either. Huh? I think that their objection to jazz was because uh, the the you know, it was a lot of the jazz musicians were black American, African Americans, jazz yeah. musicians, and I think it was a racial thing. But I, that is just a guess. I have no data to support that theory. At any rate, uh, he came under, became aware uh, under the awareness of a lot of American jazz musicians, and eventually ended up doing um, a young violin player who was very, very, very connected with a bunch of other folks. Uh, I think his name was Stefan uh, Grappelli, and uh, he started doing duos with this, and he really got known among among uh, a lot of folks. Uh, evidently, Grappelli was connected with people like uh, Eddie Lang and Duke Ellington and, and Louis Armstrong at the time. So uh, they kind of got wind of this guy. So they were playing through Europe all this time. Well, uh, Grappelli, I think, came to America, but when World War uh, and eventually they formed a five. They formed a quintet. They formed a five-piece uh, band and went around touring and were playing all around the, the area and France and Europe and stuff. Um, but and ended up uh, playing at the London Palladium at one point. Uh, they they was attended by all sorts of notable people. Eddie Cantor, the famous actor at the time, uh, was at the Kilburn State Auditorium doing the performance and. He went up and was kissing uh, Django's hand, and people were like, well, who is this guy, and why is Eddie Cantor? You know, it was hilarious. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm sure that you know, spawned a lot of like, what the hell? <laughs> anyway, when World War II broke out, uh, you know, Grappelli had, had gone over and was playing with some of these American jazz guys. Well, uh, Jankart couldn't leave. France, because France was occupied by the Nazis. So it was kind of slim pickings uh, during those times. And so a lot of the Romani uh, during the Holocaust era were all you know, rounded up and sent to concentration camps, and they were either exterminated or the ones in France, which is where uh, Django was, were used basically as slave labor to build factories. And when you combine that with the Nazis' disdain for jazz, uh, this was not a good time, and, and in fact, Django tried to leave France twice and got caught both times. And the first time he got caught, uh, there was a, a Luftwaffe officer, and I don't remember his name. I think it was Schulz Kuhn, but don't don't call me on that one. Uh, who was just happened to be a jazz lover, recognized him, and said, "Okay, well, okay, we're, I'm just going to send this guy back to France because he was supposed to basically send him to the concentration camp for execution." Um, but he didn't. He sent him back to France. And so he pretty much stayed there uh, the entire time. And then once the war was over, uh, Reinhardt went to the UK where Grappelli was and rejoined him and picked back up. And they were touring around. And I mean, they, they eventually um, went, got to the United States, played, I think, played at the Cleveland Music Hall. Uh, and actually played with Duke Ellington and his orchestra. Played uh, they played two nights at Carnegie Hall in New York City. So this guy's stuff was really becoming very, very, very uh, popular and very well known. Uh, people like Betty Goodman uh, were a fan of his. So uh, he continues to do this and eventually retires uh, to France um, uh, near the town of Fontainebleau, 
where he lived until his death and was playing in jazz, jazz clubs in Paris and that sort of thing. By this time, he was using a Selmer guitar uh, rather than the one his brother had made him, and that was kind of the guitar he was known for famously. And uh, he was just taking a walk in the countryside outside a Paris club and collapsed, uh, I think with a brain tumor, brain hemorrhage, and basically died at like 43. So he was a guy that was taken way too young. The reason that I'm uh, kind of doing a shout out to him, not only because of his uh, legacy, but he had sons. He eventually remarried, had sons by the first marriage, had sons by the second marriage, all of whom turned out to be musicians. Yeah, what a shock that is, right? Um, but what's more importantly, in a sense of that, is his style and his tenacity to come back from, you know, adversity was really, really noticed and admired by a number of people like Jeff Beck, who described him as the most astonishing guitar player he'd ever seen and being, quote unquote, quite superhuman. The Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead was a huge fan um, because he had lost fingers during an accident. I don't know if people knew that or not. And, of course, everybody I knows Tony Iommi had the tops of his fingers chopped off in an accident very young and had the metal nubs, but his fingers, ergo heavy metal, and how Black Sabbath kind of developed their sound. Well, after he lost the accident at 15, was in the hospital freaking out that he'd never play again, a buddy has brought him in a Django Reinhardt record and went, dude, listen to this. <laughs> right? And that was his inspiration to come back from that. Uh, Denny Lane and Jimmy McCullough, both of whom were members of uh, Paul McCartney's band Wings back in the day, uh, had cited him as an inspiration many, many, many times. Uh, Willie Nelson had been a lifelong Django Reinhardt fan. So this is a man who had major, major impact on a lot of our current uh, guitar icons, uh, and folks who played for guitar icons. Uh, so this is, I think, the reason that our listeners need to know who that was and to maybe, even if jazz is not your thing, to go back and take a listen and uh, appreciate some of the amazing things that that guy could do with basically two good fingers and two not very good fingers <laughs> that were essentially useless to play a couple of chords with. Uh, if you ever again, if you can go look up videos of this guy, I don't know if you would could find him on YouTube or not, but if you could find any videos of this guy yeah. and see him playing, it's like, huh? <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so if I'm you winning, get a, a chance, if you could type out how to spell his name, I'll go look it up later after we finish the show and see if we can find him. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I the only reason and don't be impressed because the only reason I know how to spell it is because I know of it from. Uh, you know, from people like Jeff Beck and Tony Iommi who've mentioned him in numerous interviews and seen the name in print a couple of times. I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, the Reinhardt <laughs> part is the hard. The Django part's the kind of weird thing. But I'll email that to you later after the show. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, the guy is just, he's amazing. I just really flipping amazing. And I think the reason I was also thought it would be really kind of cool to do here is because here's a guy who had every reason not to be thankful had every reason to despair, had every reason to give up, kind of like Garcia when he lost part of his fingers, and, and Tony Iommi, all of whom yeah. persevered and have become you know, musical icons. Uh, and I just thought that was kind of a cool story to share given tonight's topic, and in general just for the uh, brilliance of the human spirit when we decide to, as you've heard me say many times on the show, claim our power. Yeah. Definitely cool. All right. Well, thank you for that. And and you're right. I, I do think it's quite relevant to things we're going to talk about tonight because it's not only about gratitude, but, um, you know, one of the things we'll hit on is we're talking about thankfulness in the era of COVID. <laughs> when there's mm-hmm. so much going on that makes people not thankful. And so these guys are a, a good example of, you know, being able to still find something to be thankful about when there's a whole bunch of stuff just crapping on your head. Because yeah, there, and not a lot to of play people victim. Who can't. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, not to be victimized. Exactly. Right. They may have been victimized, but they didn't take on the victim role, and that's why they were successful. Yeah, very important. 
So, and, and if anybody is listening and wants to call in, I know we do have a couple of people lurking listening. I don't think they'll be on the phone and may not be on the chat room, but a couple of uh, social media friends have been saying they were going to listen in tonight. So, you know, if you guys want to talk about that stuff, let me know. Um, otherwise, we will take calls from our listeners and questions in the online chat room throughout the remainder of the evening until around midnight. So feel free to give us a call. Again, the number is 914-338-0314. All right, kids, let's get this party on the road. We are talking about thankfulness because Thanksgiving is tomorrow. And it's been a tradition since our show started back in 2016 to do a special episode or two that are, are of particular interest to our listeners during the winter holiday season. This time of year can be very special, but for many of the same reasons, you know, because you going back to where you grew up or going to see family you haven't seen in a while or, you know, there's reunions and memories and all that kind of stuff. For some people, it can also be a time that's painful or hard to handle in some way. So some of the past episodes, we've talked about a wide variety of aspects of this topic. Very early on, episode nine, we did a three-parter on holiday depression. The focus there was more those who struggle with addiction issues and the holidays because not only do you have excess celebrating and people you don't normally hang out with, but sometimes you can reunite with family members that um, there's unfinished business or toxicity, and that can exacerbate substance abuse issues and so on. That was... uh, Um, November 30th, 2016, that we did that. Episode 33 on mindfulness, which is a different way to approach being thankful and dealing with these things in uh, November 2017. Episode 35, The Grand Illusion, which is about the myth of perfect holidays. That was in December 2017. Episode 56, the psychology of holidays, you know, basically, a, why do we do all these damn holidays? You know, what's the point? Um, and that was from a psychological standpoint. That was in November 2018. Episode 57, right after it, setting boundaries on the holidays, which was kind of a follow-up to the uh, addiction theory, you know, how, how and well, and could involve people that don't have a substance issue. It's just setting boundaries with people because holidays are often a time when you become an adult, get out on your own, get boundaries, and then you come back to people who knew you when you were a kid and they step all over them because they don't know you as boundary guy. So that was November of 2018 also. And episode 80, uh, just a little bit ago, a few weeks, a couple months, and that was Who Says You Can't Go Home? Toxic Family Holidays. Well, it was a year ago. I guess that's been a while. It just <laughs> was COVID. Time is immutable to me. It's like my... My husband used to say um, that was November of 2019. And so here we are in November 2020, going to talk about holidays again, but we want to look at it this time uh, through the topic of thankfulness. But we want to go beyond the typical Hallmark card and T-shirt slogan pop culture take on the topic. There's a lot of people talking about thankfulness because Thanksgiving and all this stuff, there's talk shows and there's new books and magazines and songs coming out and blah, 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 blah. But there's a lot of stuff they leave out of the topic, so we'd like to get into some of that tonight. So tonight we will discuss, and, and I'll warn you all now, there's a very high potential that this is going to end up being a two-part episode. I didn't write it as one, but you know how we get. So we're going to do an overview of thankfulness and then get a little bit into the weeds with the psychology of thankfulness, a little more crunchy, and then difficulty with thankfulness and resources to foster thankfulness. And before we get started, I'm going to check in with you, Dr. Mathis, see if there's anything you want to get into before we dive in here. No, I'm good. Thanks. All righty. And thank you. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to do an overview of thankfulness. As we typically do on our show, let's begin by defining the things that we want to discuss tonight so that all of us are more or less on the same page in the discussion. So one of the things I did in prep for this show was to inquire on social media 
uh, soliciting opinions and input from various listeners to the show and friends, people I know, um, and have them weigh in on the topic. So we have commentary from those discussions. We ask people various questions about different aspects of thankfulness, and their responses are included in tonight's discussion. Please understand that these parts of the discussion are the opinions of lay people who responded to stuff I asked them, and it's not necessarily a professional or psychological take on the topic. Although, amongst our friends and contacts, we do have people who are involved in mental health stuff and life coaching and other things like that. So we've got kind of a wide variety of types of input from people. And I'll be sharing that off and on over the course of the evening. Um, So this first one is uh, one of the questions I asked the group. And again, these are opinions from people. I have not edited them very much. And so I'm just going to give them to you what people said because I'm sure there are listeners out there who may have opinions as well. And this is something we all talk about a whole lot, but we don't really talk about. You know, thanks, thankfulness is a you know pop culture topic, but we're going to get a little real. All right, so the first question I asked them is, is thankfulness different from gratitude, appreciation, or blessings? So the first friend said that they believe thankfulness and gratitude are similar, though to me the former may include relief, whereas the latter usually doesn't. And thankfulness evolves into gratitude. Appreciation is lighter in feel to me and broader in application and is applied to natural and human things. Blessings are granted, have a degree of serendipity about them, and may feel divine in cause. Next person said, I think thankfulness is more, more active, and the thing you do as an offering to the others, parenthetically family, society, gods if you have them, from whom you have received blessings. Gratitude is more of a state that you try to achieve and maintain by meditating on your blessings. Next person said, gratitude is another one synonym for thankfulness, so I think being grateful and being thankful are fairly interchangeable. Appreciation can kind of fit, but that word feels like a milder form of thankfulness gratitude to me. Blessings are typically things for which we can be grateful or thankful, but the word is not really interchangeable with thankfulness. Next person said, to be thankful is about how you feel. Gratitude is an action. It's something that you have to think about and mentally find gratitude in various parts of life. Appreciation is an outward showing to someone or some entity for actions taken. Blessings are the good things bestowed upon a person by a deity or higher power. According to dictionary.com, thankful, gratitude, and appreciate are synonyms, and I feel that despite the fact that there is feelings versus actions, that seems accurate to me. Next person said, I think it is, that they're interchangeable. Thankfulness seems to me to be situation-specific, but gratitude feels like a state of mind that doesn't necessarily need to be attached to any specific event or thing. Appreciation, blessings. Appreciation also seems more specific to me rather than a general mindset. Not sure what to say about blessings. I imagine each person will have a different interpretation of these. And the last comment on this question was, I think there's much existential hair splitting we can do here. One thought is that thankfulness is perhaps an individual and internal feeling and could occur in a vacuum, whereas gratitude is an outward expression involving others. I'm actually going to pause since that was a little lengthy and see if there's anything that you want to add, Dr. Mathis, before we get to the next subsection. No, I'm good. Thanks. Okay. Just checking in. All right. So, Now that we have considered input from several opinions about thankfulness, let's take a slightly more formal look at defining and differentiating between thankfulness, appreciation, gratitude, and blessings. Okay, thankfulness, by dictionary definition, is considered effectively interchangeable at the least with gratitude and sometimes appreciation. It is simply feeling grateful for something beneficial or pleasing. 
Now, I do not mean this to be pedantic. Y'all know how I get sometimes. Sorry. (laughs) I just firmly personally believe that there are reasons for multiple similar words and that typically digging around will usually reveal small differences or distinctions of definition. That's why I'm doing this part. Okay, the source for this next chunk is Susan Rhodes, LCSW therapist, Senior Life Solutions, Psychiatric Medical Care, LLC, which is psychmc.com. And they said, or she said, the Oxford Dictionary defines the word thankful as pleased and relieved. Both of those are great feelings. Everyone wants to be pleased and relieved. But that's just it. They're just feelings, and feelings fade. The Oxford Dictionary defines the word grateful as showing an appreciation of kindness. This is where the difference lies. Being thankful is a feeling and being grateful is an action. The next input is on the word appreciation. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, the act of recognizing or understanding that something is valuable, important, or truly as described, parenthetically, slightly different than thankfulness. Connotatively, appreciation seems to be something that you demonstrate to others specifically. Gratitude has a more complex definition. In fact, I have a lot of notes on gratitude as it starts to venture into actual science. Source for this is positivepsychology.com. From a scientific perspective, however, gratitude is not just an action. It's also a positive emotion that serves a biological purpose. Positive psychology, and that's a field of study, defines gratitude in a way where scientists can measure its effects and thus argue that gratitude is more than feeling thankful. It's a deeper appreciation for someone or something that produces longer-lasting positivity. The Harvard Medical School provides more detail, writing that gratitude is, quote, a thankful appreciation for what an individual receives, whether tangible or intangible. With gratitude, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives. As a result, gratitude also helps people connect to something larger than themselves as individuals, whether to other people, nature, or higher power, end quote. Um, I skipped a little of the article because they were very chatty. <laughs> Um, A little further down, they say psychiatry researchers who define gratitude as, quote, the appreciation of what is valuable and meaningful to oneself and represents a general state of thankfulness and or or appreciation. And that was from Sansoni and Sansoni in 2010. Researchers also offer this definition, quote, an emotion that is typically evoked when one receives costly, unexpected, and intentionally rendered benefits and is thought to play a key role in regulating the initiation and maintenance of social relationships. That's from Forster et al. in 2017. Another simple definition of gratitude that comes from psychology research is, quote, a social emotion that signals our recognition of the things that others have done for us, end quote. That's from Fox et al. uh, 2015. This definition is important because it brings a social element into the definition of gratitude. Source for the next couple of chunks is Harvard Health Publishing, updated June 5th, 2019, but originally published in November 2011. Uh, The first chunk that they say is the word gratitude is derived from the Latin word gracia, which means grace, graciousness, or gratefulness. And they, yeah, okay. So they, they spelled it a little oddly depending on the context. In some ways, gratitude encompasses all of these meanings. Gratitude is a thankful appreciation for what an individual receives, whether tangible or intangible. With gratitude, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives. In the process, people usually recognize that the source of that goodness lies at least partially outside themselves. As a result, gratitude also helps people connect to something larger than themselves as individuals whether to other people, nature, or a higher power. In positive psychology research, gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, 
relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. And this is a different section from the same paper. Two psychologists, Dr. Robert Emmons, E-M-M-O-N-S, of the University of California at Davis, and Dr. Michael E. McCulloch of the University of Miami, have done much of the research on gratitude. Another leading researcher in this field, Dr. Martin E.P. Seligman, a psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania, tested the impact of various positive psychology interventions. Of course, studies such as this one cannot prove cause and effect, but most of the studies published on this topic support an association between gratitude and an individual's well-being. Other studies have looked at how gratitude can improve relationships. There are some notable exceptions to the generally positive results in research on gratitude. Findings suggest that gratitude is an attainment associated with emotional maturity. And the last thing we want to define is blessings. The word blessing or blessings, while frequently used to describe a beneficial gift, seems to carry a fairly significant religious connotation. It's not required in the definition but it's heavily used in a religious context. Regardless, blessings seem to be about things about which someone can feel thankfulness, appreciation, or gratitude. And with that, I will pause here and check in with Dr. Mathis and see if he would like to add anything. Well, I think it's also interesting that Martin Seligman came into notoriety because of his studies on learned helplessness initially. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy that sucked yeah, yeah. the dogs in the two pens and shocked them and watched them jump to the pen that didn't have the shock and then put shocks on both sides. No matter where they jumped, they got shocked, so they just sat there and whimpered. Oh, we talked about that last episode, didn't we? <laughs> so he's moved from that to, to the realm of yeah. positive <laughs> psychology, which is a good jump for him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I wonder if somebody shocked him into it. Ah, okay. Yeah, for those of you new to the show, uh, Dr. Mathis is, is a uh, incorrigible punster. Do not encourage him. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, and lead me not that, into temptation. I can find it myself. I can find myself. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into the psychology of thankfulness, and I'm thankful that pun is over. <laughs> Okay. In this this section, we would like to cover a bit more of the psychology and other structure behind thankfulness in more detail. So often, the things for which we are thankful are gifts, not just material gifts, but anything of value which provides pleasure, relief, or assistance. And the value seems to be higher if it's something which we are unable to easily provide for ourselves. This suggests that psychologically, thankfulness is somewhat rooted in our survival instinct and our ability to fend for ourselves. We feel appreciation when someone goes out of their way to help or please us. And then here are some clips related to that. According to Wikipedia, and, and this was sourced with other stuff, but I'm not going to sit and read you guys the, uh, you know, the sources for everything. Um, quote, the systematic study of gratitude within psychology only began around the year 2000, possibly because psychology traditionally focused more on understanding distress than on understanding positive emotions. The study of gratitude within psychology has included the understanding of the short-term experience of the emotion of gratitude, parenthetically state gratitude, Individual differences in how frequently people feel gratitude, parenthetically trait gratitude, and the relationship between these two aspects as well as the therapeutic benefits of gratitude. Source for this next part, positivepsychology.com. Why gratitude works. And when we're using these, we are using them somewhat interchangeably, even though I just got done telling you how they're slightly different, but it's okay. (laughs) Gratitude is a selfless act. Its acts are done unconditionally, unless you're doing something else, and then we don't call it gratitude. (laughs) Um, To show to people that they are appreciated. 
Gratitude also can often give us a sense of catharsis from some kinds of gifts and or reciprocity, which we seek in order to show that we are mutual, worthy, and pull our own weight fairly. The neuroscientific research into gratitude. Neural mechanisms that are responsible for feelings of gratitude have grabbed attention, study Wood et al. 2008. Studies have demonstrated that at the brain level, moral judgments involving feelings of gratefulness are evoked in the right anterior temporal cortex. And that was brought up in Zahn et al. in 2008 also. In the same study, it was revealed that the reason why some of us are naturally more grateful than others is neurochemical differences at the central nervous system. People who express and feel gratitude have a higher volume of gray matter in the right inferior temporal and Dr. Mathis, please help me with this. G-Y-R-U-S, gyrus? Ding, ding, ding. We have a wiener. Yay. I don't want it on my mouth, though. Thank you. <laughs> you don't want to have an Oscar Mayer wiener? <laughs> no, thank you. No, I am not thankful for that. <laughs> All right. So that was from Zahn et al. in 2014, and puns were from Dr. Mathis in 2020. All right, so... Back to some of our person opinions. Um, another question I asked, and this was the one I started off with, but they are not presented in the order I asked them. So I asked, what are some thoughts you would like to hear discussed regarding thankfulness? And I may pause after each if there's any discussion to be had because these are a wide variety of things here. And this may actually end up taking us to the top of the hour, but we'll see how it goes. Okay, so the okay. first person said they would like to see discussed that there are things to be thankful for despite all that has been 2020. And this is echoed in several people's comments. Um, Dr. Mathis, do you want to say anything specific about that? Because we will bring it up again. This this happened several times in, in my okay. notes. Okay. Why don't we finish? Why don't we finish opinion the the set of opinions one, and then I'll I'll sort of address all of them un, under the same uh, opinion, Dilly. Yeah. Okay. No problem. All right. The second comment. Yes. What part of the meanings, uh, meaning of and customs around thankfulness do people value most from their families and growing up tradition? And this was a person asking questions more than giving opinions, but they would like to see things like this discussed. And conversely, how are people redefining thankfulness for themselves in the context of their own lives? And and that's a huge one because we are yeah. frequently in a culture that is surrounding traditions. You have to serve this dish and you have to go to so-and-so's house because we've been doing it for 30 years, blah, blah, blah. And we attach huge amounts of meaning to that. And we attach quite a bit of quarreling and shaming when somebody doesn't play along. So, you know, we've talked about that part before in the psychology of holidays, but um, I digress. So they would like to talk about that. Next person said um, that deliberately looking for things to be thankful for can completely alter. This is a, a pop culture reference, thinking, thinking. Um, it just sounds cute on a button or a T-shirt. Um, but it, it is a form of stagnant, not constructive waddling about things and can aid in healing from different negative life circumstances, like this year. Boy, howdy. Okay, next comment, and this one's a little longer. Um, This person said, I think it's important to be reminded that thankfulness is powerful. So bringing it up as a topic might be just the right nudge someone needs to see if it's right for them. I know this is how it happened for me many years ago. I read an article about a book. It could have been about the Gratitude Project. I'll get into that part later. (coughs) That book groups were using to try this practice. And it was about the exercises showing gratitude. I was in graduate school and didn't have time to join a group, but just hearing about the book and a little of what was in it gave me the start that I needed. I have a very occasional and informal practice that was superficial at the beginning and didn't mean very much to me when I first started. When I was upset, angry, hurt, whatever, I would think of things I could be grateful for. At first, it was an exercise like lifting weights. But I kept going with it, 
And after a while, it became comforting to consider what I had to be grateful for, even if everything was going wrong for me at the time. The longer I did the practice, the more I felt the power in it. Now, even in the worst of times for me, I can access that gratitude for whatever is good, and it reduces the sting of problems and disappointments. It feels powerful to choose gratitude over despair. And the last opinion is uh, this person broke it into little sections. So A, they'd like to talk about some examination of privilege and thankfulness, and I I do think that's a big thing. Um, B, the need to create one's thankfulness and positivity. And C, there may be things that have happened to folks as a result of COVID that are positive, and there may be guilt from that. For example, you may have a service that is needed even more now, and your business is doing well. You know, for example, delivery drivers. Um, you can be thankful for your success without being thankful for the pandemic, and that's okay. And here's where I will pause, and then Dr. Mathis can jump in and address whatever pieces of this he would like. Okay, so I'm going to take these in reverse. Um, so I'm going to talk about the first one for the last one you mentioned first, uh, looking at aspects that are positive about COVID. Uh, and the person who said that's absolutely right, because obviously when all the dust settles from this crazy election we're in the middle of and this COVID stuff, my, I, I predict my business will go up uh, just because I've already seen an increase in anxiety cases, post-traumatic stress disorder cases, and depression cases, and an increase in uh, substance abuse. So that's caused yeah. a, an increase. In, yeah, because, I mean, you know, what are the two things that haven't been impacted negatively by COVID? Gun sales and alcohol sales and drug usage. Okay? So three things. So in some regards, my practice has gone up a little bit, and I expect it's going to go up a whole lot more. And I'm really happy about that. I'm not happy about why it's going up. <laughs> and that's kind of what this person was referring to. And, I'm, you know, and so on one hand, I'm glad for the business. On the other hand, I'm sad for the reason for the business. And, you know, and I, I don't feel guilt yeah. over it, but I do feel sadness for folks who, you know, experience problems. Um, let me take the next one back uh, about starting the practice of feeling gratitude and it growing like working out in the gym. Uh, and that's very true because what you're doing is creating neural pathways. So anytime you change, anytime anybody has a thought, you are creating neurochemistry. Neurochemistry forces the brain to produce neuro. Uh, pathways. And if you produce the same chemistry over time, your brain goes, it's, it's like building a superhighway. Your brain keeps going there and keeps going there and keeps going there, as opposed to going down the back roads it used to go to. And so eventually it, quote unquote, naturally goes down there. Now, there's nothing natural about it. There's nothing automatic about it. You worked your assets off to get it there. But <clears throat> excuse me, at some point it feels automatic because you practice it so well it's become sort of second nature. I call it back burner. You don't have to think about it in prefrontals. It gets moved to the basal ganglia in the back part of the brain, the back burner. But to, to get it there, you have to really practice like crazy. And then what happens is a phenomenon known as reciprocal inhibition happens. And in common English, what that means is you're creating a brain state and an emotion that is Uh, opposite and antithetical and impossible to occupy simultaneously with another brain state that you want to get rid of. So thankfulness is the opposite of being bitter or, you know, or angry or, uh, you know, despairing or whatever. And so you're replacing those negative emotions that only cause health issues, both physical and emotional, and you're replacing it with another neural pathway with an emotion and chemistry that are antithetical, and thereby they're the reciprocal, the opposite of that, and they're inhibiting the initial, that, the initial negative one you don't want to have, which is why it's called reciprocal inhibition. Uh, laughter when you're angry is another good example. But you do have to practice it. And at some point, you have to really feel it. It's not something you can fake. It's not something you're BSing yourself over. You have to really look, in some cases, really long and hard to find the silver lining in the cloud of gray, so to speak. 
Uh, and, you know, in, in my early example, I think, you know, I suspect that uh, Django Reinhardt had to look a really long time to figure out what the silver lining was and losing two, the use of two of his fingers and only having two fingers to play guitar with after this guy was making money and, you know, accruing a following playing, you know, with four fingers. <laughs> so this is not, it doesn't happen overnight. It does take work. And it also takes willpower. It takes determination. It takes somebody who's sick of being sick and sick of being a victim, right? Victims don't get anywhere. And that's why I tell everybody, all of us at some level, at some point in our life, have probably been victimized, whether we've been hit by, you know, somebody who ran a red light or whether we've been cheated upon or whether we've had money stolen from us or been beaten up or, you know, God forbid, raped or mugged or whatever, you know, We've had trauma-esque experiences. We, we have been victimized. But we are not victims unless we take the victim mantle. And that is something no one wants to do if they want to have a happy, successful, healthy life because that leads to a set of neurochemistry that is not healthy physically or emotionally. So the person that talked about that is absolutely right. The one prior to that, uh, the stinking, uh, the stinking thinking comment that actually comes from uh, the twelve steps in AA. That's a uh, an addiction term for thinking you can relapse, you can use without relapsing. That's where that comes from, and feeling negative thoughts that will lead you to relapsing because it increases things like stress and anxiety and sorrow and anger and uh, the negative emotions that lead some folks to resort to uh, better living through chemistry. <laughs> Uh, and more likely to oh, relapse. Wow. That yeah, one of the um, <clears throat> they have a one of the, the there's a, uh, a thing called halt, and that stands for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. So that if folks are feeling those emotions, those are aspects of the quote unquote stinking thinking, that will lead somebody to stinking what I call stinking feeling, which will then lead you to you know do stinking behaviors, stinking the acting. <laughs> so that's where that comes from. Originally, I had no uh, so, idea. That's now, cool. they, now. See, I'm just full of trivia that nobody gives a flip about. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's one of the perks of being a nerd. What can I tell you? Okay, so then the person before that who asked about um, what what parts uh, what part the meanings and customs around Thanksgiving or on thankfulness. I'm sorry. Do people value most and their families growing up? That kind of depends on their tradition because a lot of um, certain ethnic and, and spiritual traditions value certain things that they have regular customs for that allow people to remind themselves of from whence they came and how lucky they are to be where they are. And that's essentially what Thanksgiving is actually supposed to be doing in its inception, right, is being a, being just being mindful and more aware of the benefits we have instead of whining, bitching, and moaning about the stuff we don't have, right? And so Thanksgiving in and of itself is a holiday that is meant for folks to pause and be mindful of the stuff they have to be thankful for instead of focusing on all the stuff they don't have to be thankful for. Uh, and I also wanted to address, and I kind of skipped this, and I'm, I'm going to go back to this, the COVID thing. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I see what yeah, you no, I don't you have okay? COVID. I have, a, I have dust particles <laughs> in my throat. I have allergies to dust. Um, so one of the things that I have a, a very a good friend of mine, uh, someone who's very well known in the recording industry here in Atlanta, who, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, was recording a group from um, L.A. who basically came and gave him more than money for his recording time. And uh, this person almost died from COVID and has recovered, but is still having a lot of brain fog, which is a residual effect for some people. Uh, my understanding is because it attacks the basal cell ganglia and that sort of thing. Uh, but this person's yeah. like, you know what? I'm alive and I don't have any major heart damage and I don't have this and I don't have that. And I've got a lot of brain fog and it's frustrating as hell, but I'm just focusing more and I'm forcing myself to do stuff and I'm upping my my greens so I can produce more, this person is a very healthy eater, produce more adenosine triphosphate to keep my chlorophyll up, to keep my energy low. So this is a person who is compl- who is a survivor of COVID, who is still having after effects of COVID. This is like months ago when he had this, and is still doing his thing. 
and not sitting there whining and bitching and moaning about how much money he lost during this time when he couldn't record and couldn't do this and couldn't do that. And, and this guy lost a lot of money. And you know, there was people that was renting, uh, were renting, uh, going to buy a building of his and couldn't have, because the COVID thing hit, their, their, their business went under. And so the, this person lost, you know, a sizable amount of money that from the building he couldn't sell. And then, he, you know, I mean, this person has experienced a lot of loss as a result of this, both, both professional and personal and, you know, financial. And this is a person who's just like, oh, I'm just doing it. I'm, go- I'm going back in it. I'm doing it. I'm just doing what I have to do. That's the kind of never-say-die energy that people have to do if they want to survive. That's part of the resiliency factor, right? Um, <clears throat> and so the more, and, and, and so back to the thankfulness thing, the more time we can take pause out of our day and say, let me just think about the stuff that went right today instead of the stuff that went wrong. One of my anchors, and I mean, I joke a lot about this, but this is absolutely true. One of my anchors is whenever I start to feel whiny about, you know, paying too many taxes or, you know, things not going right or like, like for example, my heat went out last Wednesday and it just got fixed today. It's been a week. Ooh. Now, yeah. Now, the good news is it hadn't been freezing cold here in Atlanta, so it's not like I'm going, whoo, my low. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, where? I don't know about Alaska. Yeah. But no, thanks. I'll be here. Y'all don't believe in seasons uh, down there. <laughs> right. Right. And I, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not in, in Maine, yeah, and, you know, and I'm, not, and I'm not in Idaho, upstate Idaho, or, you know, where I've got land and I'll be, you know, moving at some point, but I digress. I, you know, I, I'm not in Antarctica, so, you know, but it was chilly at night here. And so I yeah. just, you know, did what I had to do to bundle up and get under electric blankets and, you know, wear extra clothing during the day and this kind of stuff. It's just not worth it. But when I start to feel whiny, all I have to do is look around at all the plethora of musical gear that I have that are very rare finds and, you know, and bring me a lot of spiritual joy because I'm playing them and I'm I'm kind of in this existential mind state and um, I have guitars that in some cases are owned by art or, or formerly owned by artists, you know, very famous artists and have their signatures on them and or limited run owned or built by master luthiers. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like, and some of which were made for me by the companies that are one. I mean, and I'm going to bitch and whine and moan about being, you know, without heat for a week when I've got coats and I, come on, really? But they are my grounding. They're my, what I call them, my reality checkers. And that's really what they are. I look at pictures of the land I bought in Idaho, and my friend was out there talking to the builders and uh, the utility folks, and it was snowing. And so we took pictures of the snow and emailed it to me. And I was looking at the snow pictures getting snow woodies. <laughs> and, and I was looking at, right, I, I boing for snow, come on. And, uh, <laughs> and I was looking at the snow pictures, and honest to God, the pictures look like, you know, like a Hallmark, Hallmark card on steroids. And I was looking at those pictures, and the thought came to me of, holy shoes, is this really my land? This is what I'm going to be seeing when I move? I mean, I'm just, I almost started crying. And it was this like, wow. And so I have a lot of those moments that take me through the shitty times in my life and take me through the times when I want to whine a bitch and moan and and cry about stuff that I have no business whining a bitch and moan and crying about. And those are my reality checkers. And I think if people had more of those in their life, they would be a whole lot better off. And they would be much more thankful, which may, and which would result in them feeling much more gratitude and wanting to spread that to other people instead of beating the shit out of other people and rioting and burning shit and, and screaming and yelling and you know doing all this crazy crap that's going on right now and fighting over, you know, we need to be working together as people. We don't need to be beating the shit out of each other. And I think the more gratitude we can feel, the more thankfulness and appreciation for what we do have, even in the losses that we've had, the more we will come together as people, the more we will heal ourselves and each other. And so to address the 2020 issue, which is the very first comment, you know, what do we have to, you know, what are, there are things that we can be thankful for despite being in this crazy 2020 COVID election, BS, rioting, whatever mess. There's a lot of stuff in our personal lives we can be thankful for. But I think we need to be mindful of that 
and, and mindful of the fact that we are all struggling in this at some level. And we need to come together as people and stop bitching and whining and pissing and moaning on everybody else's parade and trying to grab things like they're going out of style because they're not. And focus on what we have, whatever it is we have, whether it's you know cool music gear or whether it's our health or whether it's still having some loved ones, even though I'm sure people have lost loved ones and all this crazy COVID stuff. You know, and, and if you've had COVID and survived, that's a good thing. If you haven't had COVID, that's a really good thing, and thankfully I have not. But, you know, as you know, I eat incredibly healthy, and I take a, a ridiculous cadre of vitamins that would, check a, that would choke a pony. Uh, but I've been doing and I've been doing it for 30-something years, which is why I'm healthy and yada, yada. But, you know, had I not, had I not been sick and chronically ill as a kid and gotten written off by the medical profession, I wouldn't have gone to holistic stuff. And I wouldn't have gone to this, down this holistic journey that now helps me spread the holistic journey to my patients. So I hated being sick as a kid and living in a hospital all the time. Oh, well, three months out of every year from age 2 to age 10. And then living on antibiotics for eight months out of the year from age uh, 10 to age 20. And can't go to this and can't do that and can't do this because I'm sitting at home and bundle up like, you know, I don't know what and go out and somebody sneezes and I get strep throat pneumonia. I hated it. Hated it, like with a passion. Had that not happened, I wouldn't and gotten all these medical issues and then got written off by the medical profession. I wouldn't have gone to the holistic stuff. And had I not gone to that, I wouldn't be the person I am today and I wouldn't be able to help the people. So while I hated that shit and I would never want it for me or anybody else, in a way it was a, it was a backhanded blessing because it sent me on a journey that I would not have gone on otherwise. That's the kind of level people have to look at. They have to really dig. And some of the stuff you got to dig deep for, but it's there if you find if you want to find it. It's there. So those are my comments. Excellent. Well, and that neatly wraps up to a pausing place because we are actually at the top of the hour, and we Imagine have that. lots of stuff. Yeah, we have lots of stuff still to talk about with this. So I am thankful that we have a topic for next time I've already figured out. So with yeah, that you don't have to do more research so on, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, certainly we can come back and poke at some of the things that we talked about as well. Um, you know, later in this section, we, we're going to talk about the value of acknowledging things for which you're thankful and so forth. And, you know, we'll get to all that part next time. But okay. we'll go ahead and we'll pause here. Um, is there anything else that you want to add about this for this evening's discussion that you didn't get a chance to get out that you had on your mind? Ah, thanks for asking, but no, I think this is a great stopping point. We've got lots of cool stuff to talk about next time. Okay, fabulous. So um, in, in summary, we hope our listeners are, are a little bit better able to understand the concept of thankfulness. We have a ton of more stuff to tell you next time so hopefully you guys can come back and join us then and um, this concludes our show on thankfulness for this evening we will pick it back up in two weeks and let me pull up the calendar real quick that will put us on December 9th and so on behalf of myself and Dr. Mathis and DB Media we want to thank our listeners this evening and give our appreciation to those of you who may be joining us later via podcast iTunes, etc. So we'll see you guys in two weeks, um, not for a new topic of discussion, but to further this one, Wednesday, December 9th, 11 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on blogtalkradio.com. And we'd also like to give a shout-out to other NDB media shows that are coming up in the next couple of weeks. I do not have notes on very many of them, but I know that we are doing Sports Talk with the Guys on Saturday. They're doing a special Thanksgiving show on the Saturday morning extravaganza, that's Saturday the 28th at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. The Monday morning quarterbacks are live on Saturday morning. And also, I will be wrapping up this season of The Walking Dead. Fear the Walking Dead had its mid-season finale last Sunday. But The Walking Dead World Beyond online viewing party this coming Sunday is going to have a doubleheader to wrap up that season. And that will be the 29th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Walking Dead World Beyond Season 1, Episodes 9 and 10, Season Finale. 
So hopefully you guys can join us then. And please look for the Rock and Roll Shrink on Facebook, on Twitter, on iTunes, and on the web at www.rockandrollshrink.com. Thank you for joining us. See you next time. Good night, everybody, and rock on. Thank you.